edition of the Degenerate Hawkeyes podcast, Trent and Biz, and this week we are joined by a special in-studio guest, it's Stat Boy with us today. What's happening, Stat Boy? Not a whole lot. Excited to be on the podcast. You can tell he's got his papers laid out here. Now, Biz, you're back in eastern Iowa, and because of that, you weren't able to uh, hang out in the palatial 1460 KXNO studios like Stat Boy is, but uh, good to talk to you again. How are things over there? Good, good. I, I politely declined the invite to hop in the Statmobile and drive across the state today. So, Statboy, was it worth the uh, worth the trek across the state and taking a day off work to go watch uh, to go watch Trent in, in action the last couple hours? Oh, absolutely. This place is a palace, and then get to sit in on the uh, Miller and Condon show was just icing on the cake. Boy, you you don't you you have a very boring life if that excites you, but no surprise with, with Stat Boy that one. Biz, I'm back. Uh, I've been all over here the Midwest here the last few weeks. Uh, lovely trips over to Chicago, which was good. Got to see our buddies Melt and Czar over there for a night, and uh, had them, of course, Czar doing some yelling at some random people while we we're out having a cocktail. Fort Dodge, and now finally back home. But Chicago Big Ten Media Day, as I was there, don't think I really learned anything though. You were famous. You were on TV for uh, a good good five seconds, and you asked a question that made uh, made Captain Kirk chuckle. So it's all downhill from there, Trent. You've uh, you've reached the apex. Well, years ago, I was doing an interview with Kirk, and he uh, he gave me a recommendation. I was going out to Pittsburgh to call an arena football game, and he told me to go to the Pleasure Palace. Now, this was not the Pleasure Palace that many people maybe think of. This was actually a restaurant. That's where he told me to eat, but that also got him going. So I get Kirk uh, laughing from time to time. Kirk and I, we're, we're real tight. You know this. It'd be, be way better if he'd have given you a recommendation to go to a uh, a more fun place called the Pleasure Palace. <laughs> if you, was, you could have dug into a Kirk seedy side. Yes, yes. I, I'm sure it's it's probably about as interesting as Stat Boy, but we'll leave that one alone. All right. So uh, Chicago, Nate Stanley, he's good fine you know doing his Nate Stanley things one thing I did wonder though we talked about it we speculated about you know the AJ Epinesa why he wasn't there Kirk gave you know the canned response that that was out there it's not so much Epinesa I'm still struggling to wrap my mind out of Torin Young why Torin Young is the guy that gets selected outside of being a good leader how many carries we like to gamble over under 75 carries this year for Torin Young which way would you go well, I think he probably had less than that last year, didn't he? I mean, he was kind of non-existent the second half of the year. So my guess is I'll say slightly over, but uh, I think he'll get seven or eight a game. So if, if you give him if you give him seven a game, that gets you to 84. So I'll take the over, but not real confident with that. He had 136 attempts last year, rush attempts. I am shocked by that number. I, I wouldn't have guessed – it was even 100, but he had 136, so yeah, uh, you got the good money there. You got to lay some juice, though, minus 240 uh, with that number that I put out at 75 with the terrible over-under. Speaking of over-unders, Nate Stanley needs 25 touchdowns to get in rarefied air in Iowa history. You think he gets there this year? Yes, 
Yes, I do. I think uh, I think this is a team that I think we're going to air it out this year. I think uh, it was a third-year quarterback, and I think uh, Brian Ferentz has shown a willingness to uh, adapt to personnel. I think we're going to be uh, more of a throw-first team this year, and I think it, it may come down to game 12 before he gets it, but I think he'll get 25, yeah. I'm kind of with you there. One, The one kind of caveat I would put in is so effective the last couple of years, obviously, with the tight ends. And if Bayer weeding those guys aren't even adequate, if it is maybe a bad tight end group, I don't think that'll be the case. But if it is, I was so effective in the red zone throwing to those tight ends. If that comes back the the other way and they start relying more on the running game inside the red zone, that would be the one thing that certainly could keep that number down. But I'm with you. I do think he gets there. Be great. Gets there and, and does it with a, a win in Nebraska and clinching a Big Ten West championship. That's the way I'd like to see it. Maybe a bomb to get it. And then uh, all the haters that say he can't throw the deep ball also would shut up with that. Hey, one other newsy item before we get to the reason that Statboy is with us here today. Yesterday, the basketball team uh, had media availability for the newcomers coming in. The freshman Joe Toussaint, a lot of conversation there. Of course, Patrick McCaffrey, along with Bakary Evelyn, the uh, grad transfer from Valpo. Those three guys are there. Also, Nunji. Positives? Is is this just is this some spin, some positivity during the summertime? How good can this team be? I think it's totally dependent on whether Jordan Bohannon's back or not. If, if Bohannon is back, I think this team has a chance to be, you know, kind of along the same lines as last year. A, uh, you know an NCAA team that could potentially, you know, if things fall right, be a, a Sweet 16 team. But if Bohannon is not back, I, I don't see this team being any better than an NIT team. But, uh, you know, I guess when it comes to Bohannon, probably no news is good news at this point. There haven't been any word of any setbacks or anything at that point. And from what I've heard, and I've, I've heard from a couple different people, actually, they've all said that I think – the coaching staff is cautiously optimistic that he will play this year. So uh, we'll see if that happens or not. But uh, he, he, we need him because uh, mm-hmm. if you get him and you've got him, Wieskamp and uh, Garza, that's a pretty impressive uh, big three. And then everybody else just needs to fill their roles and do their jobs, and that's a pretty good team. And a couple of roles maybe being filled with some defensive stoppers. Joe Toussaint, a lot of talk about that. And at least bigger than most people anticipated. Everything that I had heard – is this guy was undersized. Not only was he certainly under six foot, probably in that five nine, five ten range, but also pretty slight. He's added ten pounds of muscle since he's got on campus. Very quick. That's never been a problem for him. And actually, those couple of inches of height seem like they can make a difference when you're going against those bigger point guards and and the more physical style of the Big Ten. Certainly liked everything that I heard yesterday from Joe Toussaint. Well, that's especially true if if you slide Bohannon over to uh the off guard when he's in there, having two guys that are six foot or less is uh, not ideal. So, like you said, every inch counts because uh, otherwise teams are going to exploit our lack of height in the back in the backcourt. So, and I don't think the Evelyn guy is not bigger than about six two, is he? No, yeah, he's he's right at six two. I think uh, we had Pat Hardy on the radio show earlier today, and that's what he said. He saw him right at six two. So, yeah, at least decent size there. We're not talking about undersized. Uh, guys that are five foot nine trying to play the position, that's positive to see. I, I'm I'm hopeful, more hopeful than I was not too long ago with this this team. That yeah, you're right. Bohan is not there. 
I think NIT is probably the upside, and I don't even think they're going to get to that point. But with Bohannon, with some of these pieces, yeah, they can get back to the tournament. I don't think there's a doubt. Well, especially with Ryan Creener getting his international experience this summer, that that's going to be the key to just expecting great things out of him as a senior, Trent. <laughs> You're all in on Creener this year, huh? Well, he has his flashes of brilliance. He is what he is. He's, he's, he's a serviceable big guy. Serviceable big guy with a beautiful running style. Exactly. All right. There is a reason that Stat Boy is in studio today. He is making his podcast wake, debut. Wake him up over there. <laughs> he dozed off for a moment. All right, he's back. He's back with us. Now, where are we going to go here? Am, am I just am I throwing the floor to you? Of course, our, our production meeting did not go very well earlier today, so we're going to do this on the fly. I'm just handing this off to Stat Boy. You're asking the questions. Is that what's happening here? Sure. I can um, kind of explain what I did and uh-huh. um, try to – give it some type of context that hopefully people will enjoy. I tried to explain it to my wife the other night, and she, of course, said, was anybody going to care about that? And I'm actually not sure anybody will, but, you know, at least I did, and it'll get it off my chest. So. Oh, that's good. That's good. I, now, I am I am legitimately nervous about this quiz. I, I get a bad feeling we're going to be uh, quizzed about the uh, the St. Louis Cardinals uh, middle relief corps from the 1980s. So, uh, Todd Worrell? It is a full Iowa Hawkeye quiz, and it goes back no further than 1979. No further than 1979. All right. So Trent, Trent was negative one at that yes. age of that, that year, correct? That, that is correct, yes, as was Stat Boy. So, all right. So I, it's, 1979, the Hayden era is what you're talking about. Absolutely. So to kind of set up the context of it, I um, obviously have had an affinity for numbers um, and kind of – decided to focus on jersey numbers for this project jersey numbers. so okay. what i did was I, I like to call it the stat boy era uh, like trent just referenced i was born in 1980 and that fits well with the uh, 7980 final four basketball team mm-hmm. and hayden um tenure kicking off in 1979 so i started there and um logged every basketball and football stat from those seasons into a spreadsheet and took the names out but focused on the jersey numbers so i'm gonna talk with you guys today about which of these jersey numbers is the most productive in the stat boy era back to 1979 okay so we're going basketball first this is what we're this is a basketball exercise that we're going through i've got a couple basketball questions i've got a handful of football questions i've got a couple of fun questions that kind of spun off um field hockey no it will be football basketball only but okay it okay. doesn't necessarily the jersey number towards the end i found one nugget that i really think you guys will enjoy okay all right kick it off here it is stat boy in his podcast debut so to start off with i figured i'd throw you a softball so we know it dealing with jersey numbers so why don't we start off with just figuring out what numbers you don't have to answer so there's retired numbers mm-hmm. football has two retired numbers i'm assuming you guys can get those two it is Cal Jones and Niall Kinnick, 24 and 59? Not 59. Biz? Uh, 52? 62. 62. So do not answer 24 or 62 for any of the football questions. <laughs> All right. They, they did not accumulate that stats. That narrows it down to 97 <laughs> options. Then. Good, thanks. So basketball, there are eight retired numbers. Oh, One of them Let's came see. out of retirement for Joe Wieskamp, and that's the 10 of B.J. Armstrong. Yep, his jersey was retired. That is not one of the retired numbers. His jersey was just retired. Oh, jersey eight, retired. Okay. The eight of them, there's obviously Chris Street. That's one. And then there's 
there's the five guys that all played in the the team that made the the national championship game. Correct. Yep. The all in the fifties. I don't know their numbers, but all five of them retired, weren't they? Yes. Number twenty one, Carl Kane. Number twenty two, Bill Seberg. Number thirty one, Bill Logan. Number thirty three, Bill Schuf. And number forty six, Sharm Schurman. And forty six, a number that isn't used in college basketball anymore, regardless. Hard report to follow with a six. <laughs> Get an extra finger in there. So there's two other ones that you haven't hit yet. Um, both in the Stat Boy era. Um, number twelve, Ronnie Lester, uh-huh. and number forty one, Greg Stokes. So. Those. You think I they'd like to have Stokes. that one back? I didn't know Stokes was retired. That's what the media guide tells me. Stokes? It is absolutely absurd that Roy Marble is not retired. And that Stokes is. Yeah, that that's one. When you do things too quickly, that that's some of the things that came up. Because I think it was, now I know what, he left as the all-time leading scorer and then Roy passed him a couple years later. But, but still, Greg Stokes, nice player. But retiring the jersey over his number over all these other greats in the last 50 years, that, that seems like a little much. Yeah, I will say that one did kind of stick out when I was looking through it that maybe it didn't quite fit as much as the other ones. All right, so we got these numbers crossed off the list. I already forgot them. I didn't write them down, but but we will try our best here. So what's up next? So question number one is a basketball question. Total points scored by what jersey number in the Stat Boy era? And it, it's not... Um, I broke it down points per game, all kinds of different ways, but mm-hmm. we're just going total points, total points. So I won't ask you, um, you can take a guess at the number if you want, but that's kind of random. But how about we phrase it as this Roy Marble, obviously number one leading scorer, yep. 2,116 points was number 23, his Jersey players who wore it after him, the most prolific scoring number in the stat boy era. Oh, I think I got this biz. You got a guess. I'm not sure. I understand the question. It's just uh, what the, number has the most points total? The second leading scorer to wear number 23. Did I get that right? No. No, we both got it wrong. <laughs> so my question, Roy Marble wore 23. Yeah. Is number 23 all the players that have worn it in the Stat Boy era? Is number 23 the leading scorer of all the numbers in Iowa basketball? So it's just a yes or no you're asking us? Yes. I'll say no. I'll say Yes. Number 23 is not. It's like 7th or 8th. There has wow. been not much for number 23s after Roy. Duez? Is he the second leading scorer to wear 23? Now I got him. Oh, I got him checking his notes now. Now he's going through. Yeah, we Ricky Davis wore it for uh, a year. Uh-huh. James Winters, Duez, Doug Thomas, Jermaine Davis, Oki Yuka, Dale Jones wore it for a year. So some notable names in there, but yeah. they didn't exactly fill up the score sheet like the leading number did. Okay, so you got to guess what the leading number is, Biz, because I, I think I'm zeroing in on two different numbers that are popping in my mind. What do you got? Um, I want to go number 10. That was one that I was thinking, too. The other one that I had in my mind was number 5. Number five is in the top four. Okay. Number 10 is not, but the actual answer is number four. So there are f- seven players who have worn number four in the Stat Boy era that um, have accumulated just over 6,000 points. So if there's any that are popping in your mind. Settles. Yes, Settles. Yep. yep, so Settles is the easy one. Glenn Worley. There's two. Number four, number four, number four. Got oh boy. A six seven forward from Franklin, Indiana. Played in Oh, J.R. Angle. Yep. <laughs> Recently he's a, friend of the pro- he's a friend of the program, isn't he? Uh, yes, 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 he is. Yeah, J.R. is number 
four. More recently, from 2011 to 2014, Southfield, Michigan, that has a notable Iowa basketball last oh, name. Oh, Roy Devin Marble. Roy Devin Marble. He's 1694. He was the leader of number fours. And then somebody who will be a Jayhawk next year. <laughs> Isaiah Voss. Yep. So then, then to round it out, Andre Banks and Brian Garner also wore number four. Brian Garner, day, yes. So. so number four, the all-time leading scorer here over the last four decades now of Iowa basketball. We didn't get that, Biz. We're struggling. So Roy Devin has more points than Jess Settles. I would not have guessed that. Jess Settles, 1,611. Roy Devin, 1,694. Hmm. All right. We're learning something here today. All right. So the all-time leading score, four. What else do you have on the sheet? So number two, we'll just go right from points to rebounds. Okay. Greg Bruner, number 44, is the all-time leading rebounder in Iowa history, 990 rebounds. Is number 44 the highest in the Stat Boy era when it comes to total rebounds? I'm going to say yes. I'm going to go back to the well. I'm going to say yes also. I think Ryan Bowen was 44 as well, which that gets him at least two of them up there that are – you are right and you're wrong. So, yes, <laughs> number 44 is by far the most prolific rebounding number. It had 3,300 rebounds in the Snap Boy era, okay. and I think second place is 2,200. 2, but Ryan Bowen was 42. Ah, 42. All right, so there's a miss. Good. So there's so we got seven guys who wore number 44. I don't know. think if you can come up with a few of those. Cyrus Tate? Cyrus Tate is one. I yeah. just saw Cyrus Tate as he's getting ready to play in the basketball tournament for team the Iowa United team. It's the only reason I was able to pull that one. So there's a couple of um, old um, six seven six nine forwards, one from Iowa City, Regina, and one from Cedar Rapids, Kennedy, in the 1980s. Al Lorenzen? Al Lorenzen, Cedar Rapids, Kennedy, yep. Birkenpass? No, what's the guy's name from Regina that was there the Final Four team. Gannon? Mark Gannon, Mark yep. Gannon. So you guys got four of the seven. Uh, more recently, 44. Uh, no. Uh, so you're actually two of the three are early to mid-90s. So the first one, Freedom, Wisconsin. I think he was known for a nice mullet. Jim Bartles? Jim Bartles, yeah, number 44. I love Jim Bartles. And we then, should have got Jim Bartles. Yeah, I forgot yeah. he was 44. And then the last um, in the 90s from Morton, Illinois, was drafted in the second round by the Knicks. Late 90s. J.R. Koch? J.R. Koch. Business buddies with him, I think. Well, he uh, he, he used to hang around with, with Toronto. So he, he, is, he spent time at 520 South Capitol. Wow. If, 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 if that counts as being a buddy, then yes, I guess. Getting drafted yeah. by the New York Knicks or hanging out at 520. What was a bigger highlight in his life? <laughs> well, I can tell you which one would have been better for me. But uh, I'm guessing for him, probably the Knicks ed- edged it out. And I'd be remiss also if I did not add that Brennan Kugel added 92 rebounds as a 44 in 2010. <laughs> the Kugel's a well-built man. Love that guy. All right, so we got rebounds done. 44 is the runaway winner. What's next on the list? All right, now we move to football. Quarterback. Okay. I think So quarterback is fairly easy, I think. The most prolific quarterback number um, of the Stat Boy era for passing yards. 16. 16, without a question. So my question is, um, if you take Chuck Long's statistics out of 16's oh. bank is it still the most prolific no biz yeah i don't think so that seems like it would uh that, that's dropping ten thousand yards out i don't think it would still be winning but but because it sounds like a trick question i will say yes it is <laughs> so 
Number 12 surpasses 16 if you take Chuck Long out. But number 16 had about a 9,000-yard lead yeah, and a, about a 70-touchdown lead, so right about what Chuck had. So there have been eight quarterbacks to wear the number 16 in the Stat Boy era. And throw for passing yards. Yes, have a have at least one passing yard. I got a deep cut, Jason Manson. Jason Manson is one of them, yes. The perennial, the consummate backup. All right, yes, yes, he was. Went in and won a game in the Carrier Dome. Without air conditioning. Biz, what do you got for 16s? Oh, yikes. I'm trying to think. None of the main ones. Drew Tate wasn't. Stanzi wasn't. Hartley wasn't. Rogers wasn't. Was Vandenberg? Yes, James Vandenberg was one. Then, um, let's see. Other 16s. Nothing is jumping into my mind. Led us to a Rose Bowl recently. Oh, Bethard. CJB 16. Oh, God, you think of him. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. I think of him as three because that's what he is in uh, the pros. But, yeah, Bethard. It isn't funny how, I don't know, numbers as a youngster seem so important. I don't know what it was, but I don't think a guy's numbers, I guess, in the same way that I once did. That's weird. So there's four other ones. Um, One of them – um, only accumulated passing stats in 2000, but he also had some basketball stats that same year. John Butcher. John Butcher. The future. Yes. Five games, three rebounds, one assist, and one foul on the basketball court. It's a good stat line. Yeah. Looks like one of mine. Oh, that'd be a season stat line maybe for me. All right, so we got Butcher. Three other names here that were 16. Three other names. One of them has gone on to a quite an illustrious broadcasting career um, from Iowa City West. Oh, yeah. Paul Burmeister. Paul Burmeister, Yes. And then the last two, Phil Seuss and Corey Hauser. Corey Hauser. Corey Hauser was. That's, that's just made up. Corey Hauser, 1997. I believe he got some snaps the week 19... after the Michigan game when Sherman hurt his hand. If oh. I'm looking back correctly. Oh, that was the game where we had like four. We had like four quarterbacks play. Yeah. Oh yeah, because that, that was what the Northwestern and the Wisconsin games back to back that they just played terrible. Couldn't find a quarterback. Couldn't find a kicker. Oh, that was ugly times in Iowa football. So, yes, Corey Hauser, 36 passing yards to his name. Corey Hauser. All right. Some of the blasts for the pass aren't as fun as the others. No. So let's move on to running backs. Total yards by a number. Total yards. Yes. So Cedric Shaw, Uh leading rusher all-time Hawkeye history, 4,156, is number five, the most prolific number rushing-wise in the Stat Boy era. Okay. Number five. So, I'm going to take a stab here. It's total yards out of the running back position. Yes. I'm going to go 32. 32 is second. Second. Thinking Harmon. Very close. Yeah. Owen Gill. Yep. And actually, the interesting thing is 32 had seven guys contribute. The number one number only had three contribute, but they really contributed. All right, Biz, you got a guess on the number here? Um, let's see. Trying to think. Liddell Betts would not, 46 would not be. Albert Young's up there high. I'd be 21. Um, so I'll go with that number. I'll go with 21. And you I, are correct. In 46, you shouldn't have got away with that because you also got Nick Bell, right? Nick Bell's 43. Nick Bell's oh, 43. You, 43. You should know that. Okay. All right. Our friend Nick Cochran would be appalled by that. <laughs> well, we know he won't be listening, so we're fine. Yes, because he had... He loved Nick Bell so much that the next. Do you remember who the next forty-three was after Nick Bell? Because it became his new favorite player. No, Cliff King. Cliff King. <laughs> Cliff so King. In about 
seventh grade, Nick Cockrum attended an Iowa football game with a a, a hat a, a hat that said it was supposed to say, "If you ain't a a Hawk fan, you ain't shit." And he he put tape over it and said, "If you ain't Cl- a Cliff King fan, you ain't shit." <laughs> <laughs> oh, that sounds about right. Oh, absolutely perfect. All right. So what what's the number here, Biz? Twenty one is correct, I believe. Twenty one is correct. There's only three that have accumulated rushing stats, but Tony Cal- Stewart. Tony Stewart would be one, correct? Uh-huh. There you go. You got two of them, and then the third one is actually a current player who has, I believe, there's an affinity for him on this podcast. Oh, Ivory Kelly Martin. So there's our three. Those three have accumulated the most rushing yards. That's crazy. Really, it's two two and a quarter. I mean, Ivory, Ivory Kelly Martin hasn't accumulated even a thousand, has he? Five hundred twenty five. So yes, Albert yeah. Young. The, the other, the other two have done the lion's share. So, Trent, I think, we, I think we count that as a win. I think that's I, I, our first yeah, yeah, that, that was impressive. I, you got that one, Biz. That was all you. Yeah, this, these are more essay questions, so we can grade. You know, it's kind of a <laughs> yes. the grading can be in flux a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so we got the rushing yardage there. Give us a who? Who'd you say was two on the list? Number thirty-two. Thirty-two. So, number thirty-two actually has the most rushing touchdowns. That was comprised of Mike Saunders, Ryan Terry, Siaka Massaquoi, yeah. Kevin Sherlock, Adam Robinson, Damon Bullock for his first two years, and Derek Mitchell Jr. And then Damon Bullock helped out and went to five. They weren't making it easy when you're putting all these numbers together. No, that was uh, the vein of my existence for about the last month and a half was trying to divvy out stats to different numbers. And when they switch numbers, that frustrated stat boy. So. Can I get a rough estimate on how many hours you put into this project? I would guess it's somewhere between 40 and 60. <laughs> so asinine. It, it, Biz, I, I got to take a picture of this and send it out. Just the piles of papers here in front of him. And this is his work kind of all condensed down. I can only imagine the notebooks down in the basement. It, it wasn't painful, though. I mean, I enjoyed every second of it. That's the part that is, you know, I don't want to make this sound like I was forced to do it. Yeah. This is something I look forward to doing. Just an I can't odd imagine why, why uh, your wife, Stat Girl, was not impressed by this. It sounds like it's right up her alley. She, it, she, it, is, a saint. she is a saint for putting up with you, Stat Boy. It, it keeps me for, or it keeps um, her from having to listen to me all night. I kind of bury my nose in a media guide, and everybody's happy in my household. <laughs> oh, this is wild. And I believe Stat Girl has an obsession for the Bachelorette, doesn't she? So she sits and watches that while you... Uh, while you enjoy your media guides? I got a lot of this work done on Monday nights. You are correct. <laughs> All right. What else we got here on the list, Statboy? All right. So let's go to wide receivers. Most prolific number. And this one is a runaway as well. There's nobody really even close. Wide receiver number that has the most receiving yards and receiving touchdowns. And the clue with this one is um, somebody who just graduated did the lion's share of the work with this one as well. Hmm. Are tight ends included in this? Yes. Yep. It's just pure numbers. And I, I shouldn't say graduated. Somebody who will know, was on the team last 87. year. 87 is correct. Kevin Casper, Noah Fant, other 87s. Chapel? No. So there are six others, um, and tight ends is the theme of the day with this number. Okay. So there's three, um, actually four tight ends. Um one of them only had one catch for 13 yards, but two of the tight ends had long touchdown catches at Ohio State. Doozy? Jake Doozy. Yeah. And then another famous one, I believe it was the day after the tragedy in 1991. The gang Lou uh, yeah. killing, yeah. Yo, long touchdown. Mike Flagg? Good guess. Alan Cross. Alan Cross. Ah. And then... The last one played 04 to 06. Um, had a nice run in the NFL with the Buffalo Bills. 
brother was his brother Chandler? was oh, Chandler. Yep, Scott Chandler was an '87. He um, lives. He lives within uh, probably a mile or two of both Statboy and I now. Have to let him know he got a shout out on the podcast. <laughs> and then, so the last three, um, one went on was a wide receiver in the early '80s who actually went on to back judge, I believe, two Super Bowls. Oh, Helverson. Scott Helverson. Um, is, he tra- the one that also, is Scott Halverson the one that also that ran through the uh, goalpost at uh, yes. Michigan State? Yes. Same dude. It's quite a, it's quite not, a life. I assume you can find that on YouTube somewhere, but that is phenomenal. He literally just ran right through a goalpost and knocked it over. Yes. <laughs> so then the last two that helped out, Travis Watkins was number 87 before he switched to number two and had almost 1,500 yards as number two. But for one year, he had 96 yards as an 87. And the last one... Ended up not playing tight end at all, but he did have one catch for 13 yards and ended up being a... Well, I know this is Robert Gallery, isn't it? You're, you're close. It's a, on the I'll same line Gallery. of thinking, except he ended up being an all-pro offensive lineman with the Kansas City Chiefs. Wigman? No, even further back. 1981. Alt? John Alt caught one pass for 13 yards. So him and Robert Gallery both started as tight ends. You are correct, Biz. John Alt caught a pass. I would not have guessed that. That's... Uh, I, 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 that part of your quiz will, will, please, will please Paul Bisgard. It'll be exciting. <laughs> keep, that, keep that in the back pocket for a uh, bar bet sometime. That John Alt trivia might come in handy for a free beer. All right, so that um, kind of rounds out the position part of it. Um, then lastly, what I wanted to do was um, there's one number that has scored almost in every way possible in the Stat Boy era. A rushing touchdown, a receiving touchdown, passing touchdown, field goal made, extra point made, fumble recovery touchdown, interception touchdown, kick return touchdown, and punt return touchdown. Jeez. Impressive. And so I'm not going to ask you what number that is because that would be difficult. Number seven. You're close. Number eight it is. Okay, okay. But I was interested to see how. Is is Houghton eight? No. So who is it eight as a kicker? Trent Mossbrucker. Very good. <laughs> he oh, wow. held down the job his freshman year yeah. until the Penn State game when I really couldn't find a whole lot of Danny Murray got trotted out there to kick the mm-hmm. memorable kick, and he never really took the job back. Yeah. So Moss Brucker is correct. He, does, he, he checks the field goal and extra point bank. Um, C.J. Jones? C.J. Jones receiving. Uh-huh. And uh, kick return? Yep. And punt return. And punt return, so okay. C.J. Jones was the key. He got us. All those. So then the last two, um, interceptions. Um, Tom it, Knight. Tom Knight, very good. You yeah. guys, very impressive. And Chuck Hartley? Yes, Chuck Har- passing. was passing. And he, Chuck Hartley actually is a, had two rushing as well. Okay. So luckily he was the only number eight to have a rushing touchdown. Ah, yeah, well, eight, not exactly a running back number. That makes sense there. Okay. And lastly, fumble return touchdown, um, a number eight who, it was in 1991, and he's... Maybe one of the most unsung with the season. Leroy Smith. You got it, yeah. With the season he had, you know, those stats are incredible. One stat sacks that year? I think was that 18, maybe? 18? 18 and a half. So, yes, that rounds out. Well, we, we talked about him in another podcast all back. The amazing thing, the year before, he had done really nothing. I mean, it was not not to say it was a one-hit wonder, but he went from being kind of a, a bit player to probably having the greatest uh, defensive season in Iowa history. Until this year with A.J. Epinesa. Got to put that caveat in. You're, set, you're setting the over-under at 18 and a half? 18 and a half. 18 and a half. And it'll fly over the total. I, I think I, the number should be more like 24. Now that that aside, uh, Leroy, 
What a year it was. All right, so eight has done it all. Anything else? In the, I like that one. That was fun. Yeah, and there's some. And we, I liked it because we did well at it, too. Tristan. Yeah, that, that helps. That helps. The ones that we do well at are always better. So there was um, one more number eight who added a touchdown catch. Um, the 4 game at Minnesota. He ended up transferring, but a 60-yard James Townsend. James Townsend. Coming right into the end zone we were sitting in. Yep. One career touchdown catch for the Hawkeyes. One career touchdown catch for the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. <laughs> I really was a big James Townsend fan. I thought he was going to be a star. Swing and a miss there, Biz. Uh, he was part of that era when we had a, we had a lot of wide receivers that looked like they were going to be stars. Dominic Douglas, those guys, uh, yes. a lot of uh, a lot of next big things at wide receiver that did not pan out. All right, so three questions left. All right, so this is one more that is kind of you know hardcore statistical, and then we kind of get a couple that are more fun ones. Okay, so. Um, Highest scoring number, period, with kickers. The Before 87 was the highest scoring number just when you are talking rushing and receiving touchdowns. But when you add in the kickers, number one is by far, in a way, the leading score, jersey number for football. So there's three kickers and three wide receivers that wore number one. Quinn Early? Quinn Early is one. Mm, number one. All three kickers are very recent. Schlicker the kicker. Schlicker the kicker. Did Marshall Kane wore one? Marshall Kane wore one. Third one. Just referenced him along with Trent Mossbrucker. Oh, Danny Murray. Danny Murray was number one as well. So you're missing two of the receivers. Quinn Early wearing number one. One is one you probably would get, and another one I can give you a hint. So the one of them played in 1990 and then 93 to 95. Big was a very highly touted recruit. Oh, Willie, Willie Guy. Guy. Willie yeah. Guy was number yeah. one. And the last one I don't think you'd get unless I give you these two words. Rockwell Swaledale. Tim Dodge. Tim Dodge, oh, number Tim one. Dodge. <laughs> he did catch a touchdown. He did. Yep. There's an upset. Corn Bowl Conference coming alive in the Big Ten. Added to the 690 points scored by number one. So Good work, Tim Dodge. So there you go. Is Rockwell Swaledale still a, still a school trend, or have they consolidated with somebody? Oh, there's no way. There's no way they could still... No, that they, they have is that part of um Mur Mur? No, who is the the basketball player for um oh, you, and, you and I? The Warhawks. Warhawks. Uh it? what are they now? Boy, this is terrible work out of us North Iowa guys. We could do we could do a whole podcast on who who is the uh, who are the schools of the North Iowa conference now because they're all there's like green? 40 of them, isn't there? No, that's that's North Butler now is green. Them and Allison oh, Bristol it's, combined. It's West Fork. West Fork, there it is. Oh boy, yeah, that's that's terrible. All right, all right. So what a horrible school name. Who who thought? Yeah, West Fork. Let's go with that one. <laughs> yeah, it's big rivals with East Spoon. <laughs> <laughs> oh Christ! All right, Staff Boy, what do you got next? <laughs> all right, so this this one really has nothing to do with any of the other ones, but as I was going through it, it really kind of caught my attention. So last year, I got to get a women's basketball reference in there too for, mm-hmm. for Mark. Um, so Megan Gustafson last year scored 1,001 points and had 481 rebounds. So we're this year will be the 108th season of Iowa men's basketball. How many players career wise have topped those numbers? So not just for one oh. season, but for a career. Thousand points and 481 480. rebounds. They have, to have, they have to do both of those? Do both of those in a career. In a career, though. Megan did it for one year. How many just 
off the top of your head, how many uh, men's basketball players had a career of at least 1,001 points, 481 rebounds? 27 was the number that jumped to my head. We're just guessing a random number? I'll yep. say 16. The answer, actual answer is 26. Hey! Almost. So, so Megan, I, I'm giving myself credit there. Megan, out, you know, her statistics last year were as good as 26. Um, have only been better in Iowa history men's basketball. So, in a career. Yes, it, just goes to show, I mean, I don't think we need to sit here and tell you the greatness of Megan Gustafson, yeah. but I wanted to work her into my the Stat Boy episode somehow. Someday, okay. So. I assume when you add those two, is, is AC or Earl the the highest on those two categories as far as points and rebounds? That is a great question. It looks like I have some homework for next week. <laughs> Back to the drawing board, another legal pad, another tree will be killed with the Stat Boy's work. So finally, to end up the Stat Boy era talk, this is has nothing to do with numbers, um, more so just with an unbelievable stat I kind of unearthed. Um, and it kind of goes, I know, at the risk of getting Trent's blood pressure up here, um, fouling out. There's one player in Iowa history that fouled out uh, a shocking 25.4% of the games he played. I think I know what direction we're heading here. Jake Jakes? Jake Jakes, actually, he stuck out like a sore thumb. But actually, not as sore of a thumb as this guy. Jake Jake's average for his career, 3.15 fouls per game. Only played two years. This guy averaged 3.59 fouls per game. So just to give you some context here. Yeah. I feel, I feel like Glenn Worley committed a lot of fouls, but 25% was uh, probably too high for him even. You just hit the nail on the head. Glenn Worley played it in was Glenn Worley? 126 career games. He fouled out 32 times. Jeez. Well, and... Of the hundred of the thirty-two times he fouled out, he complained after every single foul. <laughs> so to put that twenty-five point four into some context, I looked in Fran's nine years, there has been thirty-three hundred and five player games. So you know, guys might get in for just a minute, whatever. Mm-hmm. But sixty-three players have fouled out in the Fran era. So two percent of the players that have played under Fran. And if you take Zach McCabe out, it's only one point four. <laughs> so Worley fouled out in over a quarter of the games he played as a Hawkeye. That's, you know what? And I'm not, and I'm serious. He complained after every one. Only four of them were legitimate fouls in his mind. Oh, that I mean, that that was a. He was supposed to be a small forward. I mean, he just I I, that is one of the great just kind of. How was that guy a top thirty player nationally? He just he was fine. Well, the expectations were certainly higher than what he proved out to be on the floor. High school officials were afraid to follow him out, but once he got to college, well, it, maybe they changed things. It was a different ball game. Maybe if we had better officials over there in the, in the Iowa City corridor, things would be a lot better with Glenn, Glenn Worley and company. Clearly, clearly, Nate Kading just carried him through all those years, and I think him and Kading were on the same basketball team together, weren't they? I don't know if Glenn was part of that so- state soccer championship team, though. <laughs> Kading three titles, right? Basketball. Or soccer? Yes. We're not, asking soccer, we're not asking soccer questions on this podcast? That's next. That's next. Well, that's the direction we're heading here as uh, we wind our way down. I've exhausted my information, so it's on to something so else, idea, I guess. So, Stat Boy, in the follow-up on the, the fouls, of the 63, did you track them by year? Yes. So how many in the last? Like, it seems like Fran has really shifted to the two fouls and you're out no matter what, like, even more the last few years. How many people have fouled out, like, let's say, in the last five years for Fran? Since, since McCabe left. So, yes, yeah, since McCabe left, our numbers have been 14, 15, 8 guys fouled out, 15, 16, 6, 16, 17, 3, 
1718-6, and 1819-3. So you are correct. If his goal is to keep so players in the game. People over the, 12 people over the last three years, huh? Yep. So thank, thank God we've kept him on – Thank God we've kept them out in the first half so that they can uh, not foul out later in the game. And, and with it, yeah, thank God we're down 18 at the half because they're not going to play guys and get blown out. Uh, a frustration like no other, like a tradition like no other. The summer podcast with Stat Boy here. Let's make this Stat an Boy, annual this tradition. Was, this was such an upbeat podcast, and you had to end it with getting me angry about the stupid two-foul rule. So you, you know, I was so excited about that little nugget I unearthed that I didn't even think about the downer it might bring to this joyous Stat Boy episode. Well, there was a lot of fun things in there, fun numbers. I enjoyed this. Now, what's going to be your summer project for next year? I haven't even started thinking that far ahead. Yeah. I what? What number is this for our podcast? We're somewhere in the 90s, right? Yeah, we're, we're approaching 100. I think 97, 98, right in that range. 97. Tyler Kluver, LeVar Woods. <laughs> Here he goes. So, he's, he's got it so knocked out. That one needs to get something ready for we, – we need to have something special for uh, number 100. So you, you've got a short turnaround time, Stat Boy. Be ready for uh, Be ready for something something unique and cool and for number, number 100. I'm on it. We'll get it done. With that – Biz, anything else as we uh, get ready to jump into August and football in the air? Anything else going on in your Hawkeye world? No, nothing too exciting. Like I said, this time of year, Trent, no news is good news, and it certainly sounds like there's been no uh, no negative developments out of uh, out of Iowa City. So I do plan to take my kids to Kids Day on August 10th. So if we uh, bump this, we bump our next one back a few weeks, I can give a a thorough analysis of the uh, the glorified scrimmage that it will put on that day. Looking forward to that. While we have Stat Boy here, uh, we do need to get some information. Stat Boy, will you be on the sidelines at Kinnick this year, or will you be sitting up in the section? I, will I be... like it. This is the official announcement. Mm-hmm. Yes, I, I did officially leave the red hat on the field, and I will be back being a belligerent fan. Wow. With you, Yahoos, again. Breaking news. Section 109 has got that much better. Stat Boy will be back in the stands. Well, that, that totally turns my demeanor around. I, I'm, I'm over the whole two-foul rule, and that, that ends on a high note, Stat Boy. We'll, we'll even skip the business beat. That, that will be business beat of the, of the, uh, the week, is that Stat Boy is uh, back, and your, your, your brother Goat's probably uh, weeping uncontrollably at this point. <laughs> Oh, good to hear. So there it was. Well, now, you know what? For the 100th episode, we'll ask you about your duties as the Red Hat. How about that? That'll be a part of it. You can come up with some new numbers. We'll have some fun with Stat Boy. Overall, a successful podcast, I think, today, Biz. I think we can have Stat Boy back on. He did well. Yeah, he didn't. Uh, you know, I think he is what, our, he's our third guest. We had uh, Mike Wyden on for the Michigan. You yep. had uh, Melt on for horse racing. And now Stat Boy for his... Uh, his summer deep dives. I think at the very least we should make it a, a summer tradition. Uh, not a lot going on in sports in July, and Stat Boy uh, made it a fun one. So uh, tip of the ball cap to you. If I get to take a day off work and come over to the <laughs> palace that is KXNO, I, I'm in for every summer, absolutely. Well, but- one last tidbit for you, Trent, because uh, as you know, Stat Boy is not what you'd call a accomplished golfer. Right. He did he did play his first round of golf uh, with me yesterday late afternoon. And uh, apparently he brings out the best in other golfers because one of the other guys in our foursome shot a 30 on the front nine. So he, uh, we, we, we won't say what stat boy shot on that front nine, but he brings <laughs> out the best. 
As with this podcast, he brings out the best in others. And that that guy that shot the thirty, it wasn't you. No, no, and uh, it was the, the guy that shot the thirty came back to life and the, came back to earth on the, on the back nine as well. So, uh, but, but Stat Boy, uh, his goal was to break a hundred. We'll just say he did not. He did not. He did not. Well, he got his money's worth out there. And yeah, I haven't swung. I think I've played once since you and I got together. So next time you come to Des Moines, hit me up. That gives me an excuse to get out and and play a little golf. You coming back this summer at all? I don't believe so. But if you would uh, change your plans and be available for the Conover outing next week, that would solve your solve m- multiple issues there, Trent. That it would. Uh, wife in the ninth month of pregnancy though kind of puts the kibosh in going and getting bond with your you Yahoo. So I don't think that'll be happening, but. We'll try to sneak away. At the very least, what we do know is we got more podcasts coming up. Biz will be at Kids Day, episode 100, maybe before the season. We'll see kind of how this uh, goes. And we'll have the Red Hat, Stat Boy, back to tell us about his duties as he was the guy that everybody yelled at in Kinnick Stadium. And now he is no more as he'll be back with us in Section 109. Biz, good talking to you again. We'll do it again soon. All right. uh, Thanks, Stat Boy, and uh, go Hawks. Thanks, guys. Had fun. Go Hawks.